Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. When I say personal mission, and when I say calling, I do not want people to think it's some specific thing that they have to do on Thursday afternoons that they were meant to do their whole life. It's more of a lifestyle. It's, it's, this, it's embracing this idea that I am living a life on mission all the time. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. You know, I have the privilege of getting a lot of newly published books in my mailbox. And to be honest, very few of the books I receive excite me. But the day I received my friend Pete's book, I got so excited just reading the title. It's titled, You Have Permission, Developing a Personal Mission Beyond the Walls of the Church. This is how Mark and I live our lives. And I loved that Pete is providing a vision of something we all need to understand. God has a mission for you, a simple, unique, and personal mission that extends beyond the walls of the church. Pete Coco loves seeing people reach their God-given potential. In addition to being a campus minister for 25 years, he has served as a pioneer coach to multiple ministries and organizations in over 10 countries. It's his experience outside the traditional church that has produced in him an unwavering belief that all people need to be activated towards a personal mission. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, Pete. Oh, I'm so glad to be here, Jill. <laughs> seriously, this is awesome. Well, I'll tell you, seriously, the day that I opened up that package that had your book in it, I immediately showed it to Mark and I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. I love this. So oh, I'm so glad. That makes me so happy. <laughs> well, I, you know, it really is. It's It's how we live and it is I, I think we just need to expand our understanding of mission and honestly church. We need to understand our what church really is. Amen. Yes. So Pete, you lived here in our community for how long? Twenty two years. Yeah. I was in Bloomington Normal. I was the campus minister at ISU for that long. And um just recently, about three years ago, we moved down here to the Raleigh area in North Carolina. So yeah, that's how Mark and I have known you guys for a long, long time, because we've been in the Bloomington Normal area for many, many years. And 
So talk a little bit about the story behind why this is so important to you. It's, you know, this, why is it important that people understand their personal mission beyond the walls of the church? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's something I think about constantly. It's something I have thought about for a long time. Uh, Being a campus minister allowed me to see, I think, a little different side of the church where we were in experiment mode all the time. And we were activating people that were young enough uh, to to actually be able to do something and dumb enough to believe they could. And I, I just loved, I loved working with college students um, just because there was so much optimism and opportunity. And I, I, I felt like I've always, I've had a love, I hate to say hate, but a love and frustrating relationship with the church. Um, the traditional church, because when I would go there, just things felt a little different. It felt as if people were almost trapped by this beautiful thing that, that, that saved them. And I, I, I feel like there's, there's an institutional mindset Mm. that I, uh, I began to see. And I saw too many of my friends that were kind of locked into um, a belief that their only expansion, their only opportunity to do something for Jesus was to volunteer for whatever program was already established. And if I don't take care of kids or park cars in the parking lot, I guess I'll just sit here in the pew. And that that just that just didn't seem right. And I know we know that in our head that it's not right. But there there was actually a um, a dream that I had, a physical dream, about eight years ago, where I was um, in church with a bunch of people. And we were all listening and Jesus, as you would expect at church, spoke. Yeah. And and it was like this audible voice, like you could hear Jesus. And we all knew it was Jesus saying, I have a personal mission for you over here. And I have a personal mission for you over here. And I have a personal mission for you over here. And yet all of us were stuck to our pews in the in the dream and we couldn't move. And, and it was so immensely frustrating to me. And it was just, you know, obviously it's a big metaphor, but I, I woke up from the dream or actually in the dream, I said, if they only knew they had permission. And as I woke from the dream, the phrase that Jesus kept saying was repeated in my head, per, personal mission, personal mission. I have a personal mission for you. And I slowed that down and I was like, permission, like we have permission to have a personal mission. And that just kind of solidified everything in my head that this, this really is what God wants me to do is help people find that voice of Jesus and obey it. Yes, 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 yes. Oh my goodness. I love that. And wow, how how powerful Uh, God's only spoken to me in a dream one time, but I'll tell you when he does, it's very, very powerful. Totally. Yeah. And that, it doesn't happen to me often either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, but you know, like, it's just like, you know, yeah. without a doubt where that came from. And so, um, so very powerful. So you talk in the book about uh, five permissions that you see as being essential for all of us to understand our personal mission. So can we just break those down and talk about each one of those? Just at least give a, just as give us a little bit of a snapshot of what each of those might look like. Yeah. I'll give you a little overview as to why we got there too. Like I, 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 I actually just picked out characteristics that I saw in people that were living this lifestyle that I 
appreciated and I respected. And I was like, who, who are the people I respect that are living life outside the walls really well? Mm-hmm. And these permissions seem to be consistent with all of them. And I think it's important, maybe before we get too far into things, to help all of our listeners understand that when I say personal mission and when I say calling, I do not, I do not want people to think it's some specific thing that they have to do on Thursday afternoons that they were meant to do their whole life. It's more of a lifestyle. Yeah. It's it's this it's embracing this idea that I am living a life on mission all the time. And I'm going to take with uh, whatever comes to me throughout the day, and I'm going to I'm going to understand that I'm on mission in the midst of that. And I really think that we've missed the boat too, especially when we think of the word church. The Greek word for church, as many of us know, is ekklesia. Ek means out. Lesia means calling. And so the the literal term for church is it's a gathering of the outward called. It's almost as if the prerequisite for us to be in church is that you've got you've got a calling. And when we come together with people, there's an assumption that the person worshiping next to me has got a calling with the kids in the neighborhood, and this person's got a calling with their um, with their business or whatever it might be. But but that idea of everyone having a calling um, is not as intuitive to most of us, I don't think, or as common to us when we think church. It's more of an inward dwelling that we have com- or that we have commonality around. Yes, and so I, I thought, what is what are the characteristics of those people? So anyway, here here are the five permissions. The people that live these out is um, number one is that you have permission to dream big, developing this purposeful direction in your life. Do you have a dream? Number two is like permission to be armed and dangerous. A lot of times we're talking a lot about being armed with the spirit, but and we always talk about how the spirit's also got this wants you to play offense a little bit too. Yeah. Uh, number three. Uh, permission to flip the script. Jesus's life looked very opposite and upside down from what most of us would think would be normal. And how can we look like that? Permission number four is permission to start fires. How are we spreading this thing? How are we not just living this thing for us, but that we're actually um, creating an opportunity for the people around us to also catch a mission, catch a vision for something. And then part five is permission to prioritize play. Cause if we ain't having fun, then what's the point? Let's have a good time while we do it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay. So let's go back and dissect each of those just a tad bit. Um, sure. But permission to dream big. So a boy, I see why you, really saw this even in college students, you know, because yes. boy, when you're in college, you are a dreamer, like you're imagining what your life is going to look like. And you are, you are getting ready to, to live that dream out. Right. That is so true. Yep. Yes. And so I, I think, I think with that one, what, what I've, what I, what I really tried to hone in on the book is that you really can't outdream God. And sometimes our dreams can get us into trouble because it's our dream and we can kind of go left or right, but we're just not quite in the center of what God might want. And so a big part of this section of the book is us really talking about um, getting ourselves in some kind of a rhythm where we're listening to God and including him in on that, on that big dream. And I think if we include him early, it might really correct us in our course to make sure that we're not wasting too much time. Oh my gosh. I so relate to that, you know, especially because, you know, 
I mean, I was once a, a, a college student and my dream was to be a music teacher. Mm. I really thought that's what my life was going to look like. And yeah. then Mark went to Bible college and we moved to Bloomington and I started Hearts at Home. And that I say that was the ministry I did not intend to start. Um, and so it's like it all, then I look back and go, well, what about my dream? But mm. I wasn't including God in that in the beginning. And so, man, we got to be soft and pliable in his hands, don't we? Absolutely. And the one thing I might add to that, too, is um, the last part of that section, we talk about big scope. And we talk. I talk a little bit there about some lessons I've recently learned is that you, when you receive a dream from the Lord, it will feel like the biggest dream in the world. And you will naturally want everyone to fall in line with your dream. <laughs> and what we will begin to realize is that when, when, when we are in God's will, there are lots of big God dreams that might just mean that you need to develop, might need to envelop underneath someone else's big dream. Like, like God's biggest dream is up here and we're all just kind of going up, up towards it. Yeah. And so do we have the mentality of having a big enough scope and, 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 and maybe a little bit of humility to say, maybe I'm a part of something that's bigger than me. Yeah. And I think that that sort of thing is um, not knowing, not always that intuitive. So that was helpful okay. for me. I, I need to learn that. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Permission to be armed and dangerous. Talk yeah. about that. What does, so you said armed, you know, armed with the spirit, but what talk about dangerous. Yes. I'd love to talk about dangerous. This is probably my biggest, uh, this has probably been my biggest passion in the last five years is coming to an understanding of this list of gifts that are listed in Ephesians 4, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. And I believe that that list is a different list than the other lists of, of uh, spiritual gifts that are put in, the, put in Scripture. Um, and there's a lot of reasons, a lot of things I could go into, and I don't want to make the whole podcast about this, but I, I do believe that there is something inclusive about those, like or exclusive about those. Like there's uh -huh. really everything Jesus ever did falls under those five. Okay. And when we say we want to be like Jesus, then that means we're probably going to be embracing one of those five gifts. And I also believe that each of us have one to two of those gifts that are going to be more natural to us. And there's mm -hmm. probably one or two that we're going to want to run from. Mm -hmm. And there's probably one in the middle. That's typically as I've been doing, I've been doing a lots of um, APEST discovery courses with people. What does, what does APEST stand for? It would be the list of, a list of those um, gifts, okay. apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. So APEST is the, is the acronym for that. Okay. And I've been, um, I've been, have had the privilege to go through this with like hundreds of people in the last five years and to just see people's lights go on and say, I always knew I had some kind of a gift, but I didn't know what it was. Now I know. And all the people around them affirming them and saying, yes, you've got prophetic giftings. Yes, you've got an evangelistic spirit. Yes, you're a teacher. Yes. Those things help people know who they are and, uh, and then naturally want to do something with it. And, right. and, and that's where I say play offense, like, Hey, God's giving you something. You get to be that. How do you, how can you live that out? And, um, man, when people know their gifts, I just feel like it helps them play in a, in a much more offensive way than a, 
just playing defense and do my quiet yeah. time and make sure I'm whatever. Which is, I'm so if you're playing offensively, then that's what makes you dangerous because yeah. you you are you Sorry. are operating in that gift and you're you're dangerous to uh, to the enemy because yep. you're operating out of that gift. Yeah, let's make that clear. Not just dangerous, dangerous, but we're dangerous to the to the kingdom of darkness, right? Yes. Um, and I yeah, I've just I have just found that to be such a I just a powerful tool for people to know. And so if they can if they can know that, that helps a lot. I think one more thing I'll say about that is that with the other gifts, whether it's speaking in tongues or whatever the other lists might have, those are like those are like gifts you pull out of your back pocket and you can apply. But the the list in Ephesians four um, is almost more like it's expected that these are things that you're going to put on. I'm going I'm going to become a teacher. I'm going to become um, mm-hmm. a prophetic person for you today. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this on. I'm gonna be a shepherd to you. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not gonna like pull it out of my back pocket and apply it. I'm going to become it. It is it is it is something we embrace. It is something we're becoming like Jesus. And um, and I think when we become something. Well, naturally, we're a character in the story, and we're doing something. We're not yeah. just applying something, but we're actually, we're actually dangerous against the kingdom of darkness. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's such a great picture. Permission to flip the script. I love that. Mark and I use that language in our coaching a lot. Flipping the script, and um, and really, the heart is for for this for you. You're using this because. You say that we need to live a backward life just like Jesus. So yep. what what's a backward life mean? I have I list five different backward ways in the book, but I think specifically it, it really it really is about being a risk taker, I think. And um to have chaos before order might be one of my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um that that Jesus Jesus knew that in order to start something, he needed to get out into the highways and byways. He needed to invest in people that were not in the mainstream and to, to, to find your way out there. And then, and then he modeled it by sending his, his, um, his people out two by two looking Mm -hmm. for people of peace, that, that whole chaos before order thing, um, means a lot to me. So, um, and and it just it just makes more sense to us usually in church world to say well let's let's stay comfortable in our church let's get a program to help the community rather than kind of putting people out there and say hey go out there ask some questions and figure out yourself what might have to happen that's that's just a little bit more yeah a little more scary but i think it's i think it's jesus's way yeah well everything with jesus is upside down Right. It's just so upside down to the way we live life, to what our culture says, so to even just cultural norms. Right. And and it is, it's backwards. You know, the the first shall become last. And right. uh, you know, there's just so many things that are so backwards. Uh and and if we really want to, you know, there's a, a phrase in um and i'm I'm not going to be able to pull it out but uh in the chosen mark and i've been watching the chosen yeah. and and at one point i don't even remember what he says but he says something to and one of the disciples is like uh this is this is so different and and he says get used to different yeah yeah right 
And I just love that. Uh, I'm, uh, in fact, I think they have coffee mugs like that. Mark's like, I want one of those coffee mugs. Um, but I, that's, that's what, that's what that backwards life is, uh, that, and we're to become more like Christ. So that is our call. And if I think, if I think if we all think about it, I think those people that we all have the highest respect for are people that, that, that lived backward lives, right? Mm. They're, they're, they're people that a couple, I'll just list them off quickly, like being before doing, like that's a reversed order. We're yeah. used to doing before being. I just mentioned chaos before order, but we also have this idea of self-discovery before formal teaching. One of the things in the church we're so excited about is getting people in a class before they've mm-hmm. even self-discovered that they need the class. And it's like, okay, let's, let's, let's go self-discovery before formal teaching. That's question asking mm-hmm. uh, time before invitation. Let's, let's invest time into people before we invite them mm. to the thing. And authority before assignment. Do do we have a belief that the authority of Jesus is something we can bestow upon people before they maybe have gone through a bunch of assignments to prove themselves? Yeah. And um, that's that's where I, I look at the um, uh, the demoniac who you know had legion, right? Mm-hmm. And he's healed. He's cutting himself one minute. He's healed in the next. And then he wants to follow Jesus, and Jesus says, "No, I think you're ready. I, I want you. I want you to go home to your people, and I want you to preach for me." And it's like, wow! Like <laughs> authority can happen right now, and I just right. feel like those are very backward ideas that we're not really, not really used to seeing. So, no, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Yeah. Oh, I love that, and I just digging into that even more. So, permission to start fires. Yeah, this so- is probably the part that I. I'm living out currently most in my current ministry. Um, I've started a network called the Diffuse Network. And what we're really trying to do is start start churches that are outward, start churches that all the prerequisite is having mission. Mm. And we're doing this all outside the walls and it's really exciting. And so I, a, big, a big passion of mine, I think, in this book now is, is this whole starting fires part. Mm-hmm. And you said it at the very beginning is like having permission or recognizing and re rediscovering this idea of our permission personally also forces us to think about the difference in what we have thought about church. Like what really is church? Yep. And I, I think it was a great man. You're, that was a segue. I'm going to jump back on it for just a second. Cause this is the part of the book that we start talking about the church side. Um, and I believe that there are three parts two sides and five roles of the church. The five roles would be that what we just listed. There's those five um, different apast giftings, but the two sides of church um, there's what it's a boring word or a kind of a hard word for us to remember, but there's called sodality and modality. Okay. And those are two sides of church that are basically the, the, the care side and this risk side. And then we need both. Yes. Chaotic tension is what we need. We need chaos and we need order and to to bring those two together. So those are the two sides of church. Mm -hmm. But the biggest part that I think I would really like our our listeners to really hone in on is to understand that when the kingdom of heaven is present, and that really is church in my mind, it's Mm -hmm. when we see a combination of worship, 
community, and mission. Yeah. And then when those three things touch, inevitably, people cry. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you two quick examples of that. I was an interim minister down in Clinton, and there was a farmer that went on a mission trip down to Mexico uh, with our congregation and build a house, you know, Casas Per Cristo kind of thing. And he comes back, he's on the stage, and he's telling the story of what happened. And he says, you know, it was a pretty cool trip, very simple farm-type dude, right? And he says, yeah. uh, three generations, my dad, me, and my kids went on this trip, community. We built this house, mission. And while we are putting in the shingles, wouldn't you know that song Waymaker came on next door? The same song we sing here, Worship. And when those three things touched in his mind, he started to cry. Mm. And I want to be clear and say that 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 worship is more than it's more than music. It's just it's just where God comes in. It could be yeah. prayer, could be anything. Yeah. But I have one more example, and it's going to use music again. So I, I hesitate to say this example just because I don't want you to think it's just music. But but as I shared that at one of my permission dinners that I was just telling you about before, we're discovering um, these gifts. This woman, she speaks up and she says, you know, there was, um, this reminds me of a time when I was the uh, working at the retirement home and, uh, and COVID was ripping through our community. And at that point, our staff became closer, community, our mission became more clear. We're going to keep people alive but there was no worship. And she's like, I wasn't thinking of those three. All I knew is on the way to work, I felt convicted to share the song. It was really hard for me to share. It was a Christian song and none of them are Christians. And she says, I was scared to death what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, she shared it and she said, all these people are crying. The moment was poignant. People came to Jesus. It was, it was crazy. And she said, I don't think that would have happened six months before because our mission wasn't that strong and our community wasn't that tight. But when you have those three touch, that is church. And yeah. I just thought, man, that that is that is what we have to always be after. And if you're listening to this podcast right now, w- would you just think about that? Just think about what two things you might have that you need to add a third component to. Yeah. And um, at work, it's probably adding worship in. And at your small group, it's probably adding a mission in. But mm-hmm. you're going to probably need to add one of those. So just, just remember those three, worship, community, and mission. And I think we're going to see a whole heck of a lot more fruit if we focus on those. Yeah. You know, it makes me think of uh, you and I were talking before we hit record about um, our marriage ministry. And, you know, we do these um, marriage intensives and we will, I mean, we've experienced community. They're usually three to five days in length. So we've experienced that. Uh, we're, we're clear on the mission. And as they begin to peel back the layers we begin to experience worship because jesus comes in and touches either the their relationship together or with them individually and we have often used the language you know this is church right yeah, here right exactly this is church we are having church right now and so uh just I, I think that we really have to broaden our understanding of what that looks like in our lives and can i just say that we're in a season i think it's no no secret to anybody 
where we're going to have to experiment a little bit with what church looks like. Mm-hmm. Because the way forward can't probably look the same as it's been looking. And I think there is a reason there's such a large exodus of the church in recent years. And I think that it's, I don't think it's because people are not wanting Jesus. I think it's other reasons. And we can talk about that all day. That's, that's not helpful. But what is helpful is that I think each of us have the ability mm-hmm. to bring worship community and mission into your life. Yeah. And it can be in the workplace and it can be Absolutely. in the neighborhood and it, it's, yep, all of that together. Yeah. yeah. So you end the book with the uh, permission to prioritize play. Yeah. So yeah. why, why let's, you know, you said, yeah. of course we need to have fun while doing it, but talk about that. Yeah. I think we need a team playing with a team. is always, it's always more fun. Mm-hmm. And, and I also feel like uh, the idea of play doesn't put, too much onus on today. It doesn't make us feel heavy. It doesn't make us, you know, the heavier we are, the people that are the most serious are the people I don't want to be around. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, we can be super serious and super um, reverent about our, our mission and wanting to do something, but it's not very attractive. Mm-hmm. So let's be attractive. And I think the other part is when we, when we prioritize play, we are willing to, navigate where God's leading us and say, I I thought we were going here today, but this, this sounds pretty fun. Uh, This opportunity just came up. This person at the coffee shop just started asking me questions. And I think I might just follow them to wherever they're going tonight. We're going to have, you know, I don't know what it's just, it's just like live your life in a way that is just absolutely um, flexible. Yes. Do some things that you maybe not wouldn't normally do. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You know, I often talk about the something we call the ministry of availability, and it's kind of like your you you have to have this flexibility of like, okay, Lord, how do you want to use me today? How do you want what? Who do you want me to engage with today? I mean, we might have a plan, but it's like holding that plan loosely. Hundred percent. That's all I'm really. Ta- that's all I'm really talking about. And I just think. And I think that that takes a little pressure off too. Too many people, when we say the word calling, get cold feet. Oh, that's that's not for me. I don't think I could do that. Or and instead of hey, we're we're all on this adventure. Like just embrace the adventure and know that you've got some purpose in this world with Jesus by your side. That is the goal. Yeah, and he'll he'll finish off the work for you. Just just be willing. Say yes mm. today. Yeah. Isn't it the, um, who wrote the, or sang the song, The Great Adventure? Um, I can't even think of who that was. Stephen Curtis Chapman. The Mm -hmm. Great Adventure. And it is, you're right. I mean, if we can just think of this as the adventure of faith and, uh, and just being excited about God utilizing, um, our, our skills, our environment, and us having like this lens that says, so what are we going to do today, Lord? What are we going to, Where where's church going to be today? That's right. That's yeah, right. I love that. So you said um, earlier you were talking about uh, the APEST that you like to lead pe- people through a process and you uh, you like to do those, you call them permission dinners. Is that yes. what I heard you say? That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, that's- I'd be, 
I'm always willing to do those. And I think, I think the best setting for those is probably like a small group around some food. And we take two or three hours together and, um, it's, it's proven to be a very interactive time. And I think a very uniting time, because I think we begin not only to discover our gifts, yeah, uh, but we get to discover what the gifts of those around us are. And I always tell people the biggest discovery you'll make that night is understanding who you're not. Oh, you know who you're not. You will appreciate the others that are. Yeah. Up to this point, I think what we've been very good at in our American history is that we have been very good at saying, hey, these guys are teachers. They value the word. Let's get together. And then all the people that think the same as they do, as that pastor does, start a Bible church because it's teacher. Mm -hmm. And then the shepherd says, I think this we should probably be caring for people. And they end up starting a community church. And the evangelist is a they're usually kind of in the middle, but the, the prophet comes together and he says, I think we should start a church for, you know, maybe, maybe it's more of a charismatic church. And it's like, we all migrate to people that are just like us. And in some ways that's okay. But in a lot of ways, if we're not seeing the fullness of all five together, we're missing out. Yeah. Because it's almost like a, a, a puzzle that's missing some pieces. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Ah, so good. So, so, so good. Well, for those that are listening, uh, Pete, if they want to get in touch with you um, or learn more about you, where's the best place for them to connect with you online? Yeah, I would. I'm easy to find on Facebook, um, but I I would say um, we have permission.com is Mm -hmm. is kind of our hub. That's our our website. Uh, There's ways to email me and contact me there. It's all pretty simple. So we have permission dot com not you have permission which is the book right we have permission which is the website yeah yeah and the name of the book again is you have permission developing a personal mission beyond the walls of church and we will put a link to pete's website we'll also put a link to the book um, in the show notes so that you can get there easily so pete if somebody wants to do this as a study like within their small group or something like sunday school class uh what kind of resources do you have that would help them with that yeah we have an application guide on our on our website at wehavepermission.com and um we found that it's been really really helpful for people so yeah application guide is a really good way to do it as a group oh that's that is definitely helpful to have this has been a rich conversation. I hope that I hope that you are inspired. I hope that you are encouraged. Pete, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for thinking of me. It's really, really fun. And would you be willing to pray for those that are listening? I would love nothing more. Let's do that. Okay. Jesus, uh, just really grateful for being a God that includes us. And wants to partner with us and lock arms with us and to do things with us. And it just doesn't seem possible that someone as big as you wants to partner with people as small as us sometimes. And if, if I could just, just cry out to you on behalf of that person right now, that's listening to this podcast and just say, God, would you speak to the person? Would you give them a clarity? Would you give them some courage to just do something, to step outside and to say, in the name of Jesus, I am going to learn a name and a need of my neighbor. Just something. 
that would create a momentum that they cannot be stopped. And I just pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free ebooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.